0: Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. As you're turning there to Job 14, let me uh, just remind you that sometimes in life, things uh, just, just don't last very long. They go a lot quicker than we would want them to, right? I mean, think about like a sunrise or a sunset. Those, those, those go so fast, right? Uh, by the time you go and get your spouse, it's already over. You know, you come and look at this, look, it's pretty. And she comes out there and she's like, uh, yeah, that's a cloud. And you're like, yeah, well, it was prettier a minute ago and so were you. You know, something like that. It just goes real fast. I would never say that. I would personally never say that. Never even think it. Uh, What about like a bowl of ice cream? You ever gotten a bowl of ice cream and you look down a few minutes, somebody ate all of your ice cream, it's gone, it's fast. Just as soon as you sit down with your ice cream, it is over with. Have you ever spent time with a friend? Uh, A friend that you haven't seen in a while, you hang out with them, and time just flies, it goes away so quickly. What about a roller coaster? Any of you fans of roller coasters? Let me see your hands if you're a fan of a roller coaster. All right, those of you with your hands up uh would you want them to go longer would you want them to be longer yeah a lot of you do i don't know why you just like like hurting yourself that much that you're gonna you gonna stay in there a little longer you know i like go-karts I, i've always liked go-karts as a kid um all the way I, I love go-karts there's just something about my need for speed don't i look like a like a fast and furious kind of guy just something about it. I love it. Uh, some friends and I, uh, some staff and some friends, we all, we went to some adult go-karts. So y'all ever heard of adult go-karts? They're like, they're like the go-karts you play on as a kid, but they are Way faster, all right? You got to sign a waiver and uh, and you got to put a helmet on. Have a have a donor card um, to get on these go karts. A driver's license. You, it's they go way faster, and you're slamming into each other going much faster. You know, um, we went on that thing, and we all got off praying for the rapture because we were hurting so bad, so bad. And I found out at that point I am not yet ready for the big kid track, right? But the little kid tracks, I love those. Like the one at Branson, and I love those. And every time I'm on it, I just think to myself, man, I wish the track was longer. I want to be on this thing. You know, if this was like a couple of miles, that would be fun, right? Just, just slamming into each other, cutting off my kids and bragging about it. I love everything about that. When I'm on a go-kart, when I'm finishing a go-kart track, there is almost never a time when I don't walk away from go-karting thinking, I wish the track was longer, and I wish I had more time to play. I wish the track was longer And I wish I had more time to play. Last week, we started this series on Job, subtitled Unshattered. Unshattered. We kind of like that word. We made it up. You can't unshatter things, right? Once they're shattered, they are shattered. But this series is called Unshattered. And if you know the story of Job, you know kind of how we get to that title and and where we're going on that. Last week, we were in chapter 1. And this week, we are in chapter 14, Job chapter 14. I know that's a big leap, but we got to do it so that we can cover all of the material. In between that time, we know in chapter 1 and 2 God allows the challenger to, to confront Job to take away his children, every dime that he has, and even his health. He sits in this space of um, utter dejection. And as he sits there, you know, at least he has friends. I mean, if you're going through something hard, you, you, friends are good. Except for sometimes they're not. In those chapters there, Job's three friends each take turns letting him know that God is good and you probably are not, and if you would just confess whatever it is that you did, then surely God would be faithful on the other side of this. Job has lost his children, his money, his health, and now it feels like he is losing his friendships, and this is the spot between chapter 2 and chapter 14 in which Job finds himself shattered broken, rejected, He defends himself in all of these conversations. They take a turn, they say something, and he defends himself back. In fact, in one of the situations, he even uses courtroom language claiming his innocence. Chapter 14 is the end of his final response to his final friend talking about how he should just repent and trust God. But before you get the idea or the image that Job is defiant and strong, sitting there standing up against the silly accusations that are leveled against him, know this that's not the place that Job is. He's not strong. He's not defiant. Job looks around and, at everything that's happening to him, everything that has happened to him, and he wonders uh, a question that I think a lot of us would wonder, and that is, what is the point of all of this? He's broken and tired and hurting and shattered and beginning to feel like life is not worth living. And maybe he's right. Maybe he is right. As he looked around at that, he thought, what's the point of this? Life is not worth living. And just to put it out there, maybe he is right. Job chapter 14, verse 1 through 12 is where we're going to be. Since I don't have my screen, let me look it up a different way. Job 14. One says this. Verse 1 says, Man, sorry, that's King James. Anyone born of woman is short of days and full of trouble. He blossoms like a flower, then he withers. He feels like a shadow and does not last. Anyone born of woman is short of days. Now, obviously, anyone born of woman, woman, a female, that's not a birthing human. A woman is a person who is a female. And anyone, any human born of them is short of days and full of trouble. Now, what's interesting is Job takes a popular phrase and sort of twists it, turns it around, and uses it in a different way. Uh, Like when you read about Moses dying or other people in the Old Testament dying, one of the ways that they would refer to that is they say that they were full of days— Full of days. meaning mean, that is huge. Well-lived life. Job takes that phrase and sort of twists it around and says, short of days and long of trouble. Or, you know, like short of days, long with trouble. Um, you know, just a little days and a lot of trouble. What he's pretty much saying there is that no matter how long you live, it's not very long and it probably wasn't all that good. That's what he says there. Everybody, no matter how long you live, it probably wasn't all that long and it certainly wasn't good. His point in this section is clear. Life is frail and short and delicate, feeble and puny. He talks about a flower and, and, and the idea, like, you know, a flower, how delicate they are. Too much sun, they'll wither. Too much water, they'll die. If you touch them, then they will uh, begin to decay. All of that is the way that he refers to this life. He calls it a shadow. I heard one commentator, I read one commentator that, that described that concept like, you know how a shadow throughout the day, your shadow will get longer and longer and longer until it's gone. That's like life, longer and longer and longer until it's gone. And there's no substance to a shadow, it's just there. It's very dark and a depressing sort of way to look at life. And he's not alone. The wisdom literature in the scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, they sort of describe life this way, frail. Life is frail, life is puny. Psalms 90, verse 10 says, Our lives last seventy years, or if you are strong, 80. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Isn't that an uplifting verse right there? Just makes you want to be like happy. Proverbs 1027 says, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. James James in the New Testament its wisdom literature of the New Testament. And this is what he says. He wrote, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like a vapor, a mist, smoke, that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This is not an uplifting perspective. Life is short and then it ends. It's like when people say how many of you have heard the encouraging phrase from the moment you are born you start to die isn't that isn't that nice not a lot of people put that on like a tattoo or anything like that from the moment you are born you start to die but it it is true we don't like to think like that but it is true Sometimes, though, even the most optimistic among us can understand how delicate life can seem. All of us can agree that, de- that life is so very delicate. When we see the life of somebody, a uh, young, pass away too quickly, they die. We look around our lives and we see that it is very much like a flower, beautiful, but it just does not last. Brad and Sandy were uh, friends of mine. They, they lived in a little blue house that Brad uh, built himself. It's a little blue house with a little two-car carport, and it was on Highway 19 between my high school and my house. In fact, it was between our high school, almost dead center between my high school and where all of us lived, right? And so, um, they went to our church, and our parents were cool with it, so a lot of times after school, we would uh, stop by Brad and Sandy's house and we would hang out at Brad and Sandy's house. And they're about 10 years older than me. And so they were, they were like uh, old enough to be all free and they had money and nobody to tell them what to do like our, like our parents. But they were still young and cool, unlike our parents, you know? And so we wanted to go over and hang out at Brad and Sandy's house and literally do nothing. But we just hung out there. They had this daughter, uh, Emily. They only had one daughter at the time. Her name was Emily, and I adored Emily, all right? And so all, you can picture the scene, all of us high school kids taking care of Emily and playing with Emily and just hanging out and being, being grown-ups the way that, that we are. Uh, in fact... You remember in 2000 if you were alive during 2000 you remember how the whole world was going to die when the when it turned from 1999 to 2000 my friends and i were all in brad and sandy's yard laying in the grass with our heads kind of close together and our feet off this direction just staring up the stars waiting for armageddon that um, never came and then we just all went to bed you know and and that's just, that, that's, that's their house. That's the house that we went to. Brad was a local mechanic, well-known. Uh, they had a garage there in town. His dad did, and he did. And so if your car busted or something, you could just swing it in there real quick, and he'd fix it and help you out, you know, if you were, if you were cool. If you were in the club, you know, he'd help you with that. He was also um, an Athens police uh, officer. And so uh, he would help you with your car. He would also tell you to slow down and, and get on to sometimes. He'd get on to us, not write us a ticket, but he would still, you know, tell our dads. And so uh, he was cool like that. He was, he was, he was really cool. One time he went off to uh, Texas State Trooper Academy. He went off to the academy and came back. He was a trooper. and He had a different uniform. He also showed us his uh, new moves that he learned to detain people. He showed them on me And uh, they hurt, and we all laughed. It was funny, you know. It was all that kind of way. That's just how it was at Brad and Sandy's house. It was fun, and it was exciting. And 23 days ago, Brad died. 23 days ago, Brad is gone. Emily is now 23, and her dad is gone. Life is frail. It doesn't matter how strong you think someone is. Life is frail. And that's just the way that it is. It's delicate, and it feels like it is so easy to break. 1 through 6 is really Job saying that, how frail life is. 7 through 12, he switches gears just a little bit about a different topic. 7 through 12 says, there is hope. And that's what you like to hear, right? Right after we hear this, life is frail. You hear from the very same speaker, there is hope, but wait, don't get too excited. He says, there is hope for a tree. It is cut down and it will sprout again and its shoots will not die. If its roots grow old in the ground and its stump starts to die in the soil, the scent of water, just a little bit of water, makes it thrive and produce twigs like saplings. But a person dies and fades away. He breathes his last, where is he? As water disappears from a lake and a river becomes parched and dry, so people lie down never to rise again. They will not wake up until the heavens are no more. They will not stir from their sleep. There's hope for trees. I have these... uh, bushes in our front flower bed there and there there were two of them that were between the holly tree and the house and so they didn't get a lot of sun at all and so this last uh, you know just a couple months ago i decided now's the time i'm ripped those suckers out of there right i'm tired of looking at these um, scraggly looking bushes so i'm gonna go up in there i, craw- I crawled under that holly tree there i went uh the- and those trees are in there good those bushes are in there really good so change of plans, I decide I'm just going to cut it off at the ground, you know, and put a little mulch over it. Done. A Couple of weeks later, you all know what happened. There's a bigger bush underneath that tree than the one that I cut down, right? They just grow out of there. A little bit of water, or an excessive ton of water um, will grow another tree out of there. That's just the way it goes. You cut them down, if you don't cut them all the way out, if you cut them down, a little bit of water will spring back together. That's what Job says, there is hope for a tree but the implication is but not for us not for not for us trees you cut them down they'll spring back but humans you cut them down and death is final when you die it's done he begins that section by saying there is hope but then he very quickly turns our attention to the reality that not for humans this is the space that he's sitting in if you're going to get from job chapter one all the way to the end unshattered then you're going to have to sit here with job for just a little bit realizing and understanding and holding on to this reality as job looks around to the world that's around him life is frail and death is final that's the truth that's what he sees This isn't just Job being depressed or having a really bad day, although he was having a really bad day. He isn't just being negative, like the glass is half empty. This is true. This is reality. Life is frail, death is final. So this leads him, and maybe you as well, to consider the thought then what good is any of this? I mean, it's like a flower. It can be beautiful, but it just doesn't last. And so, this life that I have, this breath that I breathe, my heartbeat, my mind, what good is any of this? It can be gone that fast, and then it is all over. The wisdom of Job rightly notices that this is the way life is. None of us can truly argue that life is not frail, it is here one day and then suddenly gone. Even as you age, you can feel it slip away from you. A flower actually in those moments feels more substantive, like it's actually providing something more to the universe and to to, uh, the planet and to our relationships than we ever would. Who hasn't lost a loved one and every now and again wishes that they had just a few more moments to sit with them and talk with them and to laugh with them and to walk with them? Life is frail and death is final. I watched a murder mystery show the other day. I like those. I don't know why I like those, but I like them. I like the investigation part. The body of the victim was never found. And the mama of the victim was uh, being interviewed, and she was, she was sad. She was crying. She says, There's no place I can go to to talk to her. There's no place I can go and visit. She says, There's no place I can take balloons on her birthday. What she was saying is what we all know is that life is frail and death is final. Frail and final. However, but there is this other truth. There is this other point, this other detail in Scripture that Job didn't know and that he couldn't know. the reality is the way in which jesus reverses all of this this is why christians refer to the story of jesus as good news why because job is right life is frail death is final but the good news is that jesus changes all of that it turns out that death is not final For the person who rejects Jesus as their Lord and Savior lives as though Jesus is not king, then when they die, when they humanly die, then eternity is spent in eternal death. That death is forever for those people who reject Jesus. But the people who trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior turn from their own wicked ways and follow after Jesus, then death is just a momentary transition from this life to the next. It is better Life, death is not final. Death is just momentary for the one who believes in him. John 11:25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he lives. That's what Jesus says. Death is momentary. Philippians 1, 21, Paul writes, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Death turns out for those who believe in Jesus... Death is just momentary. Job said, rightly so, death is final, but Jesus flipped that on its head and those who believe in him. Which means this, if Job observes that life is frail and death is final, but Jesus reverses that saying death is only momentary, then life is not as frail as we would think it is. If we were to be uh, if we were to move from this life to the next, only to be in the same frail, puny, um, broken, and delicate existence, then we would only be partially comforted. But Jesus promises more than that—not a frail life on the other side of death, but but a real life, a living life. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-two through fifty-seven says this: "The dead will raise, or will be raised, incorruptible, and we will be changed." For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incor- incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where death is your sting. See, what Jesus did was take the true thing that Job observed and fixed it. Death for those who believe in Jesus is not uh, final. It's just a transition. And the life that they receive on the other side of that is true and living life. This all means that we shouldn't leave here downcast or depressed by what Job said. He saw what was true. He just didn't see all of the truth. What we can leave here, and we do recognize, is that while for a person who follows Jesus, death is not final and life is not frail, but life is still short. Jesus didn't change that side of the equation. You may, uh, you may have life on the other side of death if you're following Jesus, and death may just be momentary, but life is still short. I have never met a person who didn't feel Uh, or or who didn't say that they didn't feel quite old. I've never met a person who tells me that they're old. Every person I meet, regardless of their age, tells me that they're not quite that old. They all tell me that I'm very young, but they're not quite that old. And here's a truth that I have observed, and I believe this is reality. Everyone dies young. Everyone dies young. It doesn't matter how long you live or how many days you have compared to the other, but everyone dies young. So, what will you do with these few precious days that you have? Will you spend them on all the things that will not last past your last breath? Or will you maybe invest them in something that will grow and bear fruit long past your earthly life? If it is true that Jesus is the hope of humanity, that those who put their faith and trust in Jesus will, will, will only experience a momentary death and life on the other side of it, then doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it stand to reason that we would leverage everything we have so that other people can hear the message of Jesus, so that other people can find this hope in Jesus. It makes sense to me that that's the way that we would spend this very short, frail life that we have, knowing that on the other side of momentary death, for those who believe in Jesus, they will live. We do this as individuals, or you can do this as individuals By inviting friends to church. That's one simple way to invest the life that you have. Tell people about Jesus and then invite them to your church. You can volunteer to work in the different ministries of our church. Take advantage of those opportunities that are just laid out in front of you to make a real difference in people's lives. You can give financially to the mission and the ministry of the church in all of these ways. We don't do this for some sort of ulterior motive. We do this because we have opportunity to share the message that there is good news for those who trust in Jesus Christ. And, know this, we do this as a collective we do this as a church family as a church we launch canvases we plant churches we send missionaries around the world we offer ministries here at the church who will make disciples of others we do that collectively why so that others will hear and that they will live this is what we do this is what i do this is what you do this is what we do because we know that it is true apart from jesus life is frail And death is final. Job was right, but Jesus is better. Job was right, but Jesus is better. A few weeks ago, right here in this room, we celebrated the life of Nancy Penny. It's a a funeral service, and we have a lot of those. And um, we're a large church, so we regularly have uh, celebration of life services. And and they all stand out to me for different reasons. You know, as I preach uh, services... They stand out for me, to me for different reasons. But this one has kind of stuck with me. I, I've, I've found myself thinking about her and her life a couple of times since the service. Maybe it's because she was well known for driving a Ford truck around town. And so maybe I just like that, all right? And so if that's one of the major things, when you pass, if one of the major things is your truck, I already like you. I just, I don't know why, but that's cool, right? You know, there's another thing that I really liked about her. You know, for decades, literally decades, she served in this church, this campus, and the one we had downtown, she served in, this, in, the, in the nursery, in the children's ministry. I heard somebody say uh, this morning that she wasn't always out there, but she was always in there. She wasn't always out front, but she was always there to serve. She served for decades in the same church, in the same community, in the same class, you know, these little kids, she'd, she'd, uh, she'd change them or she'd clean their nose. or She'd tell them to stop, you know, that kind of stuff. Just good, wholesome nursery work. She, she would do that for decades. And then she did that on, on, on Sundays. And then throughout the week, she served this community as a math teacher in the high school, Conway High School. And year after year, week after week, semester after semester, final after final, she would Teach children math. And you might look at a life like that. She passed. She was 70. She passed. And you might look at a life like that and, you know, big, whoa. Like there's a lot of people that don't know her. Maybe a lot of people in this room right now. You've never even heard of her, right? And so what good, she's not like a published author. She didn't win any awards. Not like a senator. Nothing's named after her. So what good is a life like that? But I said this at the service, and, I, and this is kind of the thought that has um, kept rolling around in my brain is this. You know that there are people in this town right now who approved your mortgage that learned math from her and had their nose wiped by her. Think about that. They're all up in your bank accounts and they learned math from her. Aren't you glad she taught them? Aren't you glad she made an impact? And so there's these lives that are lived that make these huge impacts that you will never know about because they just simply invested this frail, puny, short existence that we have. In other words, because of her faithfulness to Jesus, she made a huge impact. Because of her faith in Jesus, she is still alive. Real life. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday.